the San Francisco Trading Camp Live with Joe Shasky, the Butcher, and Bonte Hill exclusively on the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Go to that app right now. Download that bad boy. Check us out here with Training Camp Live as we continue to talk about the biggest news with the 49ers in training camp. And look, the Raiders on Sunday invade the Bay Area, uh, 1 o'clock at Levi Stadium. And it could be the last we see of Trey Lance uh, for a long time. Could be... The last of Jimmy Garoppolo we see for a long time. We have no idea how this is going to play out here. But the third and final preseason game, and then it's on. In a way, Shasky, I'm really happy that this is the last preseason game. I'm so tired of preseason, man. I really am. You're, you're not alone. I think we all are. And and with the three from four down to three preseason setup that they have this year, I mean, can't we all agree these games are irrelevant. Just give me more of the yeah. the, the practices, the uh, you know Chargers versus Niners practice right. week where you ended up having them go at each other. It feels like more work can be done in those, and it feels like more of the marquee players end up playing in those. So uh, for me, th- this is getting to the point where it feels like preseason is going to be trimmed down to one or zero games, and I'm not mad at that. I'm sick of being charged for two preseason home games as a season ticket holder when no one even plays. Yeah, it's it's a joke. It's a crime. And the NFL gets away with this stuff because they're the bullies. They are the mob. <laughs> the NFL is mafia. They're going to do what they want to do. And you know what? We can't do anything about it. So no. except try to sell the tickets and or just enjoy the preseason and just enjoy being out there at football stadiums again. Look, the biggest story all training camp, of course, has been about the quarterback position. And we could start there once again. But I kind of want to start with Nick Bosa. And I want to start with Nick Bosa because we had John Bosa, his father, on. Uh, that's a hell of a shirt right there. I do love that shirt. Nick Bosa, right, when he planted a flag on Monday Night Football against the Cleveland Browns or picking off Kyle Allen of the Carolina Panthers or getting after the quarterback in Super Bowl 54, making Dalvin Cook tap out in a Minnesota game. The great news to me that nobody's really talking about is that Nick Bosa is going to be ready to roll week number one against the Detroit Lions. And when he tore his ACL last season against the Giants, Shasky, the soul of defense went out the window. Now, Fred Water Jr. did what he could. He had an all-pro season. He did everything he could to keep that defense together, played inspired football, really inspiring so much so that he got a contract extension and he got broke off. But Nick Bosa, number 97, makes this thing go. And after talking to his father today on the morning roast from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. on 95.7 game, Nick Bosa, man, he's back. And I forgot how good he was. Well, you know, I, I think in the modern NFL, there's so much of an obsession over the quarterback. And, and that makes a lot of sense. But once you find your quarterback, it used to be get him a left tackle, protect him. And I hear that. I actually think it's more imperative to have a generational pass rusher. Once you get the quarterback, you can, yes, want to keep him upright. You want to get him weapons. But I think the very next thing in terms of importance is a generational pass rusher. Mm-hmm. We have forgotten that Tom Brady at the beginning of his career had generational pass rushers on that defensive line in Vince Wolferk and Richard Seymour. We have forgotten that Willie McGinnis was an absolute star <laughs> for those early New England teams. Yep. And what has stopped Tom Brady outside of the, 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 the Nick Foles game, what has stopped him has been unbelievable defensive lines from the mm-hmm. New York Giants. Uh, mm-hmm. So the way I look at this is defensive line is, actually, to me, is more important for this year than quarterback because the drop-off from Trey, Jimmy, Jimmy, Trey, I think it's very close, both players. The drop-off from Nick Bosa to anyone who else would be lining up in his spot 
is significant, B. And when he wasn't out there last year, they were a top five defense by the metrics, but they didn't get after the quarterback like a top five team. No, that pressure went out the window. Now, Kerry Hyder Jr. did have a solid season. Yeah, guys stepping up here and there, but you're right. Those early Patriots years, I'm glad you brought that up. Teddy Bruschi, don't forget about him getting after the quarterback Absolutely. and playing in coverage. And, and and you're right, the New York Giants getting after Tom Brady. Hell, the Atlanta Falcons had that Super Bowl one. Why? Because of Grady Jarrett in the middle applying interior pressure. Last year's Super Bowl, the Kansas City Chiefs missed their tackles. Great JPP and Shaq Barrett took over the game. Oh, they took over that game. They took over the NFC Championship. Mm-hmm. They took over the playoffs. And that's why they were a problem. Nick Bosa, because we hear from everybody, Brian Baldinger, uh, Mark Slayer, who joined the show mm-hmm. earlier this week, said this guy, hey, check out what Mark Slayer said. And I wish we had the sound. But Mark Slayer basically said, look, when we went against Reggie White, we went against, you know, uh, Lawrence Taylor. We went against Bruce Smith. We went against Kevin Green. You had to scrap 30% of the playbook <laughs> because of those guys. Those guys would wreck your playbook. And if you played them at their house, then add another 20% because of the crowd noise. Because you can't hear anything and they're flying off the football. So 50% of your playbook was scrapped because of these great pass rushers. He basically said Nick Bosa makes you scrap. 30% of your playbook. When a quarterback lines up under center and he's looking to his left and he sees number 97, he's like, oh, dear God, let me check out of this play and let me go to the right side of the formation. You can't run the ball towards Nick Bosa. You can't run boot action towards Nick Bosa because he's going to be after you. And he eats up double teams, which makes it easier for guys like D. Ford, makes it easier for guys like Eric Armstead and Javon Kinlaw and DJ Jones and Givens in his deep defensive line. I just... Like, when you think about Nick Bosa in the rookie year, I think we took it for granted how special that year was. And his father basically said, you know what? He's a lot better than that player in the rookie year. And if he's a lot better than what he was in his rookie season, we're talking DPOI type of players. We're talking about J.J. Watt. We're talking about some of the greatest of the greats. So it's good to hear that news that Nick Bosa is all right. He's taking team reps, and he's getting better by sharpening iron against guys like Trent Williams. Let me give you a date in history if you're an NFL fan. December 22nd, 2013. Well, what is that date? That's the date that Vaughn Miller tore his ACL for the Denver Broncos. This is a young ascending player who had been in some trouble, tears his ACL, comes back the following year with 14 sacks, 60 tackles, and some forced fumbles. All right? It wasn't the following year though when he came back from the ACL injury that was his most impressive it was that second year back where they ended up going to the Super Bowl at Mm -hmm. Levi Stadium and he was an absolute force but he was back immediately and he tore his ACL farther along in the season and came back quicker than where Nick Bosa's at right now and why I bring him up is because he's a guy who has relied on speed to get Mm -hmm. around the edges I don't know necessarily that Nick Bosa is relying heavily on that premium speed that's a factor to his game but I do think that he could come back with a vengeance in the way that Von Miller came back because it's not just the speed and Believe me, he's fast. It's the power. It's the strength. It's the hand movement that he has with offensive linemen. I'm expecting a Vaughn Miller-like return to form for Nick Bosa this year. Man, Vaughn Miller, Super Bowl MVP, Shasky, Super Bowl uh, MVP, Super Bowl 50 down at Levi Stadium. That is impressive stuff right there because Nick Bosa, sure, the speed is there, but it's that power. Yeah. That power, power, power is wild, man. It is grown man strength. So having Nick Bosa back in team drills, I wanted to start with that because we so, 
been so fixated, so, so fixated on the quarterback position that I'm like, wait a minute. Nick Bosa's back. Nick Bosa's back, and he makes that defense so much better. Also, Jaquaski Tart back at practice uh, this week. Ha-ha, Clinton Dix making plays out there. Ha-ha. So the Niners, ha-ha, he's making plays uh, out there in the secondary. So I'm excited about this defense moving forward because I think they have a formula like 2019 to where this defense at times can carry this offense and just really scare the living crap out of quarterbacks. Yeah. That's the thing. Not only this is sack numbers. But knowing that the pressure's coming off of both edges from Nick Bosa and D Ford, and if you step up in that pocket, I'm expecting Javon Kinlaw to have a big jump this season. Does it concern you though about Kinlaw, the first round pick from the 2020 NFL draft, that he hasn't really participated in training camp? Does that worry you a little bit? Yeah, it worries me a lot. You expect players from year one to year two to make the biggest leap, especially someone who didn't have a training camp last year. Mm. And you know, Javon Kinlaw, I thought during the season last year, took a quantum leap forward. But I wanted another one, to be totally honest with you. And I think the young man has to play more. I mean, that that's there's just no other way around it. You expecting this guy to at least take some of the loss of DeForest Buckner onto his plate. And I just haven't seen him this year. B, I know we're hyper-focused on this defensive line, but I want to ask you a question about the back end of, of, of this defense. I'm looking at safety, and I'm looking at the position for the 49ers over the years. Mm-hmm. And since really the Ronnie Lott era, I mean, they've really found their best safeties through free agency. <laughs> Think about it. Tim McDonald was somebody that they brought in via free agency. He was fantastic for That's them. That's a great call. You great know, call. Uh, Dante Tony Whit- Paris. Tony Dante Parrish. Whitner, Tony Dante Parrish, yeah. Whitner. They, mm-hmm. They've really done a good job squeezing the lemon via free agency to bring these guys in. But if this kid, Hufanga, can make the roster as a starter, I mean, that would be an unbelievable opportunity for them to find some cheap, controllable assets in that secondary. I mean, if you're going to pay premium money at some point for Mbosa and for Warner and some of these corner guys that you have that are going to be coming up on contracts again at the end of this year, boy, it would be nice to have a rookie in Hufanga making nothing. Look, this kid just is always around the football. It feels like he's always around the football. Coming out of USC, this guy, look, he was all over the place playing football from Corvallis, Oregon. And when he got selected by the 49ers, I thought to myself, six feet, 200. (laughs) You could just see on tape that he loves the game, that he loves to hit. He just loves to hit. And that's what I love for my safeties. When I have a safety that's ready to hit and lays the lumber, well, guess what? Wide receivers, all of a sudden, they don't want to. They don't want to run those quick slants 100 percent because they say, "Man, this guy who is over there in the middle, he may knock my head off because he's a hitter." That worries wide receivers. They start tiptoeing over the middle of the field. When you have a presence like that in the middle of the field, which so far, like I'm saying, okay, there's going to be some lack of cover skills, right? There's going to be some plays he gets burnt by a tight end. Do I want him matched up in the slot with one on one? No, I don't. Do I want him matched up with tight ends like a Travis Kelsey or whatnot? No, I don't. I don't even want to match him up uh, with Gerald Everett in Seattle. But the guy needs to be on the football field. Yeah. He's a player. There's certain guys who have a nose for the football who's always around the football, and Hufanga looks like one of those guys. I, I think the easy comparison is, oh, he's Polynesian. He's exactly like Troy Polamalu. Yeah, that's lazy. It is lazy, but B, he's a plate cleaner. And what I mean by that is he comes in and he cleans that plate up. He wraps up in the open field. He does make plays. He might not be a coverage safety, but he's a guy that has a knack for being around the ball and tackling in the open field. If you're going to play safety in 2021, you either have to be an interception machine or a plate cleaner, meaning a guy that wraps up like a Jamal Adams in Mm -hmm. space. 
Well, he seems to be the classic 2021 box safety that you're looking for. Yeah, no doubt about that. I really like Hufanga right now. And look, this is a good problem to have. If you bring back Tart and he starts, then you know what? That's not a bad problem. He has experience, but you know at some point Jakowski Tart's going to get nicked up and who's going to back him up? Having HaHa Clinton Dix and Hufanga here, I like those problems, and I just love the name. Ha ha. Ha ha Clinton Dix. I just want to say ha ha Clinton well, Dix. Please get us a pick six so I can say ha ha. You threw a pick to ha ha Clinton Dix. And let's say Hufanga doesn't start. Let's just say, right. hypothetically, I know this kid's going to be outstanding on special teams, which is an area that I'm very concerned yep. about. Yeah. That's, hey, you know what? You're always on special teams, I, and I think a lot of people don't talk about it. I, you know, last week I went crazy over the kicking game, but you're right about kickoff teams, kickoff uh, coverage. Me. When you give up yards on a kickoff return, you kick that ball off, and you let a guy return it to the 38, to the 40-yard line, that's unacceptable. All of a sudden, you shift that momentum to the other sideline, and the quarterbacks, look, offense thinking, I got 20 yards, 20, 20, 30 yards, and I'm already a field goal position to get points. Kickoff duties, Punt teams. The punt team last year, Shasky, was a god awful. Horrible. And we saw that in the first game of the season with Dante Johnson as an up back, as a Cadence guy on the punt team, doesn't make his block, gets blown up into the punter. Arizona blocks the punt. All of a sudden, it's 10 to 7, and the game is different. It has a different feel to it. So you're right about special teams. When you got a guy like Hufanga on your special teams unit, I think it makes a team better. Well, and and this has just been one of my things that I harp on forever, B, but why Navarro Bowman was such a fan favorite for me, he played every snap on defense and played yep. punt and kick return yep. coverage. Yep. I mean, the guy That's was huge. unbelievable. Deshaun Goldson, same thing. Like, I think we forget about those kinds of – I call it the hidden yardage, Bonte, that you're refer- referring to. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Look, my favorite players are the gunners. My favorite players are the guys that make plays out in space because, to me – that's where the game is won and lost. The Niners right. lost the 2011 NFC Championship game because of special teams. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. There's no freaking doubt about that. Special teams is huge here. And I know the Niners want to clean that up from a season ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting over to the office before we get to the quarterbacks here, as we're uh, breaking down the 49ers here, San Francisco Trading Camp Live exclusively on the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, Odyssey, Odyssey, Odyssey. Check us out there as, for, as San Francisco Wraps up training cat. One last preseason game against the Las Vegas Raiders, which is still Raiders. weird to say. The Las Vegas Raiders. John Gruden and company come to Levi Stadium Sunday, 1 p.m. kickoff. Should be a lot of fun to see Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo, see if they even play hmm. in this preseason game. But uh, before we get to the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, there were a big topic of conversation this week because of the drop passes last week with the, against the Chargers. Uh, down in L.A., Brendan Ayuk drops a pass. Jimmy Garoppolo, although I thought the throw was very high, mm-hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo's got to make a better throw. I put that more on Garoppolo than I do Ayuk, but that's two drops for Ayuk. Boom, boom. Back-to-back preseason games. And it could have been big-time plays for the 49ers offense. Trey Lance. Oh, well, he's got to take some velocity off the football here. He's throwing it too hard. Well, guys are dropping passes. We saw Sanu drop a pass. Debo Samuel drop a pass. Ruchi James Jr., who's dropping passes so much that he may be off the football team by next week. The wide receiver's got to do better here. I'm a little concerned about this position group, and it seems like it's always a concern, at least for the last 20 years, since we had, we saw T.O. and Jerry Rice. Like, this wide receiver core, if one of these guys go down, it's problems. Well, it's I mean, problems. I'm not going to add George Kittle to that group right now. Well, I mean, Debo came out of practice the other day, Bonte. That's not good. 
That's not good. I don't care if he returned. Like, that's that's not a good sign. I mean, Debo has a pension for getting nicked up. And, and yeah. that worries me. That just worries me. Look, yep. someone like Julio Jones you've referenced time and time again. Everyone goes, he's always hurt. Yeah, but he plays. Go look at the game logs. He plays. plays. Debo Samuel is a guy, it's like a Ferrari. He gets a little nick, and next thing you know, he he's in the shop. And what's really frustrating is that I contrast that with a guy who the Niners could have had but came mm-hmm. off the board after Debo Samuel in DK Metcalf, and that guy's never hurt. And he's <laughs> right. ridiculous. So I, I'm a little frustrated right now with the wide receiver room. Um, but if I was going to make a case for why you shouldn't freak out, it's this team is probably the least reliant on wide receivers than any offense in the NFC yeah, West. that's true. So that's the only reason that but, I would be, you know, kind of tempering my frustrations. But, but B, I, I'll be honest with you. I would much rather have a loaded wide receiver room than the very thin one that they have right now. Yeah, I'm with you. You make a good point there because the Niners want to run 21 personnel. You know, they want to have a tight end on the field with the fullback and Kyle Juszczyk and two wide receivers. And let's face it, George Kittle is a wide receiver, especially in the pass game. He looks a lot slimmer here. So I'm with you there where they don't have to be reliant, but I need a threat out there. I need Jalen Ramsey to say, I need to guard number 11, Brandon Ayuk. I need to stick him. I need somebody to take the pressure off of George Kittle in the passing game and become an option. I don't want to see them trotting out Mohamed Sanu over and over and over again. Get Trish Sherfield some reps here and short that room up. The running game, as you mentioned here, because they do rely on the run. I think whoever plays quarterback, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance, they're this season, they're going to really try to pound the football. I think it may even be 60-40 this season with Mostert, Trey Sermon, Wayne Gallman, to Michael Hasty, Jeff Wilson Jr. is going to be back soon. Elijah Mitchell's on this roster. I think the Niners are going to try to make a statement this season and really pound the football and run behind big Trent Williams. I also think they're going to run a lot of jet sweep. Now that you have both wide receivers out there, I mean, that's been a hallmark of their offense. Are, are you and, over that play? I mean, the jet sweep? Look, I'm going to be honest with you. Watching the Super Bowl over again, I mean, again, this is a long time ago, but watching the Super Bowl over, they went away from it, and they were getting 15, 20-yard chunks. Mm -hmm. I mean, chunk plays. I'd like to see them use Kyle Juszczyk a little more in the short yardage situation. I I think that he is a very underutilized player in both the run and pass game, if you're being honest with you. Like, I think that they don't utilize one of their best players. Like, if we were just listing out who are some of their best players, Juszczyk right now is more reliable and more accomplished than both of their wide receivers, and yet we put so much focus on on the wide receivers, and they're going to touch the ball infinitely more than he is. All I'm saying is give Juszczyk some more touches. No one's saying run the offense through him like he's Shaquille O'Neal. I'm saying just give him a little touch. We think about some of the big plays he's made, Kyle Juszczyk, that is. Against the Steelers in 2019, he was the one who woke the 49ers up by trunking Mika Fitzpatrick. You think about the hole he blew open alongside George Kittle on Monday Night Football against the Cleveland Browns. You and I could have ran for 30 yards through that hole mm-hmm. because Juszczyk, and you think about last year's Patriots game, they lined Juszczyk out wide, and he became a blocker, and he was just mauling guys on the perimeter. But he could also catch the ball. Think about the missed opportunities last year with Juszczyk where Mullins throws it high in the Philadelphia game. Juszczyk is wide open. He is a weapon. You paid him for a reason. He's going to be on the football field a lot more, and he's one of those say, those toad centers that you need on the football field, and you never know with a guy like that. He's a Swiss Army knife, right? 
He's a poor man's Delaney Walker, but you don't know if a pass or run is coming. You can motion him. You can have him in the backfield pass protecting. He is an all-around baller, Kyle Juszczyk. So that's a good call there to go alongside his offensive line because let me be honest with you. Before we get finally to the quarterbacks, Mike McGlinchey scares me. He did, He is not having a good training camp, in my opinion. Joey Bosa kicked his ass last week at Costa Mesa. Kicked his ass. Lemonier's little brother kicked his ass at SoFi Stadium last Sunday. And then in drills, he's going up against Bosa. And Bosa is eating him for dinner. Mike McGlinchey, like, they got to make a decision here to pick up his option or whatnot after the season. He is not playing good football. He scares the living crap out of me right now, Shasky. Well, look, as much as he scares me, and believe me, B, I'm I'm right, I'm right next to you on, on the worry for Mike McGlinchey. Jalen Moore looks like he's a player. Jalen Moore looks like he has some versatility. They played him mm-hmm. out on the edge as a tackle. He played some guard in college. I don't know if they would kick him inside. Right guard and right tackle feels to me like the weakest point in the team, and they are going to exploit it. If you don't think Chandler Jones and Aaron Donald are going to be lining up on that side of the field, you uh, <laughs> have another thing coming because they are going to be trying to exploit the soft spot in that defense, and teams are going to be sending guys on that edge and right. expecting them to call out the communications and then just stay in front of people. McGlinchey just looks really stiff and upright and weak. I'm really disappointed because I thought McGlinchey was a good first-round pick coming out of Notre Dame. Yeah, they got the wrong year. Dude, they had the, but they drafted the wrong Notre Dame lineman. Quint Nelson didn't fall past the Colts, and that was their guy everybody wanted. Quint Nelson is a beast, an all-pro. McGlinchey looks like he may be playing for another football team next season with the way he's producing right now in training camp. Uh, moving on to the quarterbacks finally here as we're on San Francisco Training Camp Live, breaking down the 49ers. Uh, week three of the preseason, Sunday, 1 o'clock against the Las Vegas Raiders. Well, I'll ask you real quick, uh, before we get to the quarterbacks, is this still a rivalry? Is this still a rivalry between the Raiders and Niners? It took a lot of calls. Apparently with the fans it is, but it doesn't that doesn't have that same sizzle for me. It, for me, it doesn't either, B, but I think for a lot of fans that work on job sites here in the Bay Area or work in offices, things like that, I mean, how many of us are Niner fans that have a couple of Raider buddies in our crew or oh, vice no versa doubt. or work in a setting with all Raider fans and you're the lone Niner fan? There's going to be smack talk and natural rivalries. It'll be interesting to see a generation from now 10 years from now, 15 years from now, if that rivalry still exists or if it's a little forced by the old heads, as we like Mm -hmm. to say. It's sad to me. It's sad to me that they left, the the Raiders did, the state. Sad to me they left the Bay Area. And it's sad to me that this particular small rivalry has gone away because Mm -hmm. it's better when both teams were good. And unfortunately, I think the only year they both made the playoffs was 0-2. Right, yeah, no, that's that is sad. Oh, and one, we get to see, we get to see John Gruden. Yeah, oh two, I believe, when the Raiders made the super advance to the Super Bowl, yeah. and the Niners lost to the Super Bowl Jets. They yeah. both lost to the Bucks that year, uh, and they weren't, <laughs> and it wasn't even pretty. Uh, it, going to the quarterbacks finally, because I just wanted to pause. We've been doing quarterback, 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 and I'm not gonna lie, I'm a little fatigued about it. But the two quarterback system, where Trey and Jimmy is rotating in practice with the ones. Oh, man. I First of all, if you're going to go with Jimmy, go with Jimmy. If you're going to go with Trey, go with Trey. I don't want to see a Taysom Hill situation. I don't want to see quarterbacks alternated in and out. I don't know what's going on down in practice. It's a little weird how Shanahan is handling this situation. But what else can you expect from Shanahan? He trolls us all, and he does what he wants to do. I don't know, how, I don't know who's going to start week one against Detroit. I thought it was going to be Jimmy. But then again, I thought maybe it's Trey after – 
here for practice or here to reports about practice and Trey getting in with the ones. I, I just just give me one quarterback for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally out on them trying to thread the needle and play two quarterbacks. You're asking for too many variables to all fall in your direction. Yeah. Like for me, how do where's the rhythm for the starting quarterback? And then oh, he's marching him down, and then Jimmy's going to trot off the field in what the most crucial area of the field, the red zone. Like I can handle everything in the red zone where everything is hyper tight yeah. and sensitive and the pressure is through the roof, but I can't handle everything in between the twenties. Like that makes no sense to me. It's an illogical argument. No. And it's a bunch of data geeks trying to, you know, solve a math equation when it's played by football <laughs> players who are humans. These right. are humans. Like what is this? If I'm George Kittle, and, and let's just say hypothetically, I prefer Jimmy Garoppolo throwing passes to me. I don't know if he does, but let's say he does. And all of a sudden, Trey Lance comes into the game, and Trey Lance only wants to look at the wide receivers. Well, now you're alienating your star tight end. Like, the last thing I want to do is introduce uncontrollable variables as a head coach. I want to control as much of the of the settings and the variables as possible and try to make people as comfortable as possible. I think all of this unnecessary change does more harm than it does help. I am out on playing two quarterbacks simultaneously. Yeah, I'm I'm 100% right there with you. It just it doesn't make much sense. And with that said, we've talked to a lot of people this week. Mark Slareth, Phil Sims, Brian Baldinger, Doug Farrar. Like, who, like, they've looked at Jimmy and said, you know, it wasn't great that first possession last week against the Chargers. He really wasn't. Throwing off the back foot, looking at check downs. Like, I'm at the point where it's just like, just go Trey. Just go Trey. If you're going to play with Jimmy and he has the lows just like Trey, well, the highs with Trey feels like it's going to be higher than Jimmy's yeah. highs. Like, Jimmy doesn't see it right now. And I see a quarterback who is regressed, Jasky. I don't care how well he knows the offense. It looks the same to me. Like, that 15-play drive last week, it just looked like a grind. And if I'm Jimmy and I'm getting alternated in and out, I've got to have a conversation with the head coach and the offense coordinator and say, look, dude, what are we doing? I'm the quarterback of this team. I just want to see Jimmy be aggressive and stop being so damn nice. It's just hey, not in his nature. It's just not like, dude, hey, I need all the reps. If I'm the starter against Detroit, forget Trey Lance right now. He's the backup. Hey. Let me get the reps. He's the most happy-go-lucky starting quarterback I, I've ever come across. I, it's just unbelievable. Isn't it drives it? me crazy now. I mean, He's smiling all the time. What are you smiling about? I you threw know. a pick. You threw know. it high. What are you like? What are you so happy? They just drafted your replacement, and you're sitting there. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm just going for the flow. Whatever coach wants, it's best for the team. I'm cool with it. You're cool with it. Your starting job is on the line I with mean, the 49ers. I mean, it just reminds me so much of Meet the Parents with Ben Stiller. Like, Jimmy Garoppolo is Ben Stiller, and then Trey Lance is, is Owen Wilson. And it's like you're sitting here watching someone else fawn over you, and you're just going with the flow, and you're just right. taking it. Like, come on, I, man. Come on. I, I, I just I, – it drives me crazy. It really drives me crazy, and it disappoints me. This, I'm disappointed in Jimmy for that. This guy, this head coach was flirting with other quarterbacks during flirting. the Super Bowl. He flirting. was dating. He was dating, he was dog. He swiping dude, right. Dude, he went on like four dates with Tom Brady. It was like, yeah, we're being transparent with you. Come on, Jimmy. But I think we both agree, uh, obviously, that the two-quarterback system is a no-no. I just can't wait to see how it looks. Detroit. September 12th, it's almost here. What, what? Let me ask you this. Hmm. 
Would you play anybody in this preseason game? No. Against the Raiders? There's, for who, for what? There's no reason to play <laughs> anyone in this game. Just take the two and a half, three weeks off. And, and I'm not off, but you know what I'm saying? In terms of like hard hitting and get ready for the gauntlet that is a new 17-game schedule. If I want to be playing deep into January and into February, who cares what the hell happens on August 29th? Yeah, no, I'm with you here. I'm with you here. Hey, look, Shasky, this has been a lot of fun. And we just got an email that training camp is wrapping up today for most teams. Oh. So our show today is the last show oh. of San Francisco, San Francisco Training Camp Live exclusively on the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. It's the last show for us. So we want to thank everybody for being so a part of this. Predictions. Yeah, predictions. predictions. Screw Go ahead. Screw you and your, your, your you know, polished broadcaster stuff. <laughs> what are the 49ers going to do this year? What's their over-under in terms of win totals? What's their record? Who's the quarterback? Tell me how it's going down. Give me your give me your wildest or most sane prediction. Niners will finish 11-6. and six. They'll lose in a divisional round. Trey Lance will be starting by week number five. Wow. I've got the team going 9-8. and eight. I've got Jimmy Garoppolo struggling early on. I think they split the first two games. I think Trey Lance comes out against Green Bay at home and ends up starting that game. Uh, and I think they're going to wish that they went with Trey Lance from day one. And I think that one game is going to cost them 9-8. and eight, They miss out on the playoffs, and wow. everyone's going to be heated. I think we are underrating how poor this special teams unit is, and it's going to cost them games. Yeah, the kicking game is... I, I didn't even want to spend time on Robbie Gold or Mitch Wisnowski after last week's meltdown about the kicking game. And what did they do it is Sunday against the Chargers? They look poor again. Kicking game's got to step up. Shasky's got 9-8. and eight. I've got 11-6. I got a second-round playoff loss to whoever in the second round. But I do believe Trey Lance will be starting sooner rather than later for Joe Shasky to butcher for Bonte Hill, for Evan Giddings for producing this bad boy and having to deal with us for 30 minutes Monday and Friday. We want to thank everybody out there who listened to San Francisco Training Camp Live. The season is almost here, but let's get this preseason game out the way. Take care, everybody.